This is Matt Raj, fourth generation owner of Community Coffee. My great-grandfather named it Community, just out of appreciation and respect for his friends and neighbors. And for 100 years, our family has been about two things, great tasting coffee and great people. And as America's number one family-owned retail coffee brand, we believe it's our responsibility to continue to give them the best tasting coffee experience possible. And it's why we're excited for you to discover your new favorite blend. Look for Community Coffee at a store near you. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm, actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay, well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. And we are live on Discovery Paranormal on United Public Radio Network. And you are tuned in to the show that's all about laying it down on the line when it comes to science, man. See, I look at this show not as a paranormal show. And I know the word paranormal basically means you can't describe it or or you can't use science in any way to, to kind of like describe the whole paranormal world but you can because anybody who, who is into ghost hunting for instance and i know i have friends out there the prudes and they're like you you can't call it ghost hunting it's paranormal investigation you guys take yourself too seriously it's ghost hunting you know what i mean you're hunting for ghosts man or sometimes you're just dealing with them talking to them yelling at them whatever the hell you're doing but people like me and others use scientific devices to to take measurements and hopefully get responses intelligent responses with what you're dealing with you know so you're not just talking to an empty room you're actually talking to to you know aunt maya who who, who died a hundred years ago and she's wondering why the hell you're in her house and she's like get the hell out and you're like can you show yourself to me <laughs> You're like the the creepy paranormal guy. Can you show yourself? What are you wearing? You know, like <laughs> anyway, it's science, man. This is a show about science, and tonight we're going to talk about pyramids. And pyramids is a very inter you know interesting subject. There's more than one type of pyramid, of course. There's lots out there all over the globe. They found the pyramid in the bottom of, of a lake, you know. So they also. We're going to talk about Mars a little bit because recently they, they say they found a pyramid in Mars. And it's this is interesting, right? It's the size of a large car or a bus or something, you know. And it's it's perfect, perfect carved out pyramid. And the pyramids in Giza, the pyramid caps are basically missing. And they, they wondered why and how and scientists have taken measurements there and man we're going to talk about all that and the fact also the fact of how people who make uh pyramid shaped houses or greenhouses like greenhouses and their 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 flowers or plants all this stuff grows amazingly you know so that's interesting in of itself but this is uh, is more interesting because this kind of sets up the stage, right? So an international research group has applied methods of theoretical physics to investigate the electromagnetic response of the Great Pyramid uh, to radio waves, basically, right? So scientists predicted that under, uh, you know, resonance conditions, the pyramid can concentrate electromagnetic energy in its internal chambers and under the base. Now, this is very important because they bombarded this thing with radio waves. So the research group plans to use these the yeah, theoretical results to design nanoparticles uh, cable of producing similar effects in the optical range. So you know what's cool about computers? Computers you can simulate with with a, a great degree of accuracy as long as you have all of your math done right, you know? So in this case, with these nanoparticles, such nanoparticles uh, can be used, for example, to develop sensors in highly efficient solar cells. 
So while Egyptian pyramids are surrounded by a lot of myths and legends, researchers have little scientific, uh, you know, reliable information about them. So after all this time, here we are, 2019, man, you know, they don't know anything. And this is what gets me. This is why I don't trust commercials, because they lie to you. These people don't know anything. And I, I meet a lot of scientists in my life. You know, I, I communicate with them. I talk to them. I'm right here at Cornell University. You know, there's a lot of uh, scientists mucking about. And it's nice to pick their brains if you can. And then you realize that they know some stuff. They know this, that. They're working for goals. But when it comes to really understanding things, they're is not really an exact science to a lot of things, and pyramids is one of them, you know what I mean? So physicists recently took an interest in how uh, the Great Pyramid would interact with electromagnetic waves of a resonant length. So calculations showed that in the resonant state, the pyramid can concentrate electromagnetic energy in its internal chambers as well as under the base where the third unfinished chamber is located. So a lot of people believe these pyramids were energy devices and uh, and not burial chambers, you know. So they also, you know, I mean, when you look at the chambers and how they're set up, and I've seen this all on Ancient Aliens, and I've seen this, um, you know, people have dissected the Great Pyramids to a degree that you think you they know everything about it, every little milk and cranny, every little speck, every little, uh, uh, you know, piece of dust. You think they would know everything after studying it so long, right? Turns out, the more they study it, the more they don't know, because the more questions that they have. So it's kind of like you're you're investigating something, and you have you know a couple of questions, and then you run into all this other stuff is mystery, mysterious things, and you got like a you know, hundred more questions, and then you realize that you don't know anything about those about like the oceans like that, you know, that we don't know much about it. We've only explored like maybe two percent of the entire ocean. That that's not much. You know what I mean? So anyway. With all of this and focusing energy in those rooms, and, and I've also seen, uh, uh, I think it was National Geographic Channel when they were doing the whole pyramid thing, that this one guy's hypothesis was that, you know, they used some kind of like uh, thing like pig pig excrement in one, one area to, to stimulate the gas, the methane gas, and they found uh, these, these very large copper rings. They don't even know where they – and they room all to themselves, you know, a little narrow room, and they don't know what they're for or how they got there or why even. And then this this guy who's an engineer with electronics, he's like, you know what? That's how you make a spark. And, and he, he kind of put the whole thing together with the methane and whatever. And, you know, so theoretically, sure, you could have some kind of uh, engine, you know, for instance or something. But – it's interesting with electromagnetic waves and kind of doing a reverse design effect on the pyramids to see where energy gathers. And that's what kind of caught my eye about the whole thing. But all right. So these, these conclusions were uh, derived on the basis of numerical modeling and analytical methods of physics. The researchers first estimated that, uh, you know, resonances in the pyramid can be introduced by radio waves in a length ranging from 200 to 600 meters. Then they made a model of the electromagnetic response of the pyramid and calculated the extinction cross-section. <clears throat> this value helps to estimate which part of the, uh, of the incident wave energy can be scattered or absorbed by the pyramid under resonant conditions. Finally, for the same conditions, the scientists obtain the electromagnetic field distribution inside the pyramid. So in order to explain the results, the scientists concluded a multipole analysis. Uh, they conducted a multipole analysis. This method was widely used in physics to study the interaction between a complex object and an electromagnetic field. So these guys just didn't like one day decide to go do this. This was a lot of planning, a lot of setting up, a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge to to put into this to to do these tests. You know, so the object scattering the field is replaced by a set of simpler sources of radiation, multipoles, 
the collection of multipole radiation coincides with the field scattering by an entire object. Therefore, knowing the type of each multipole, it is possible to predict and explain the distribution and configuration of the scattered fields in a whole system. Like I said before, they kind of reverse design the entire thing. So the Great Pyramid attracted the researchers while they were studying the interactions between light and dielectric nanoparticles. The scattering of light by nanoparticles depends on their size, shape, and refractive index of the source material. Varying these parameters, it is possible to determine the, re the resonance scattering regimes to use them to develop devices for controlling light and the nanoscale. So Egyptian pyramids have always attracted great attention and scientists were always interested in them. So this is another way of, of looking at the Great Pyramids and seeing what kind of functionality they could possibly have, rather than just being giant tombs, right? Because people don't believe they are. So due to the lack of information about the physical properties of the pyramid, uh, they had to use some assumptions. So, for example, they assumed that there was none, no unknown cavities inside, and the building material with the properties uh, of an ordinary limestone is evenly distributed in and out of the pyramid. But I think that they proved their point as, as a, a part of a puzzle. You know, if you take all these different tests and all these different things and you kind of look at them as bricks in a wall, you know, that's, that's when you do an investigation, that's what you need. You need all these little bits and pieces to start putting it together to see, okay, what are these things really? And then now, you know, of course, they believe the pyramids are more than 10,000 years old, maybe more than 12,000, maybe 15,000. They don't really have a, an idea, you know. And the sphinxes, they they think that they had different faces altogether. And someone came along at some point and carved off a part of the face to give it the face that it has now. So there's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, mainly these things were buried, too. You got to understand. But also, I'm going to add this in there. I think when those things were built, it was plush and green. And and uh, there was a lot of variety of wildlife and all that, like, like kind of like a, a jungle type of thing. I think that that something happened and it shifted everything geologically. And, and now it's like that desert situation, you know. So, uh, you know, when they look back and they start thinking about these things, you have to consider all possibilities. So the big question is, were the Great Pyramids once used to transmit energy? And a lot of people say, like, you know, UFOs, they came along and they built these things because obviously who, who built them was pretty good with design and it, its exact design is pi, you know, pi squared, the bricks too, like, like all the blocks they used. It's pretty amazing. And they also say that it has some kind of correlation with Orion's belt, which is also pretty interesting, you know. Anyway, so for thousands of years, the pyramids have stood as basically hallmarks of ingenuity, royalty, and engineering, right? Their very nature suggests they were designed and built by people with superior intelligence, you know. Not like we got now. <laughs> Not like we have now. I, I look at the, I don't know. If you watch TV, you don't feel a lot of superior intelligence, you know, in these auto commercials like uh, for auto insurance. I don't know who the hell they're applying themselves to, man, but like maybe some little kids, seven-year-old, the seven-year-old ain't going to drive, <laughs> you know? It's like you make these commercials so asinine, so superior intelligence, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it, you know? So, but obviously these people had access to advanced tools and skills. And we look at beyond Giza, you know, I mean, there's pyramids all over the place. When, when you look at, uh, or, or you look at Puma Punku or places like that, where the stonework was so precise, right? You know, uh, like, like machined, you know, so smooth and machined and whatever. And me personally, when people make claims, because there's, there's a lot of immediate believers out there. I'm not one of those people. Uh, you got to prove it to me. You got to show me. You know, so like people you say, I'm from Missouri, you got to show me. Now, I'm not from Missouri, I'm from Long Island. I don't believe anything until I see it. <laughs> That's like, what's one of the things about being a, a city person, man? You encounter a whole lot of humans and you realize you can't believe all of them. So you got to be careful with people and what they say, man. 
And then, you know, I watch, uh, you know, Ancient Aliens from time to time. And it's cool. I like the theories. I like people laying stuff down. But there's a lot of people on there that are like 100% wholehearted believers, like no matter what. An alien did it, you know what I mean? Like, you know, chicken or the egg, an alien did it, you know what I mean? So, it's, uh, and you know, and like last night, that was I watching the news, and uh, I was I was sitting back, and like, I like to look at things from a certain point of view, way, 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 way back from the situation, and not be attached to it at all, and it kind of gives me a good summary of what's going on. And you know, if you have an independent mind and you like to, to just look at things and listen to what people say, just flip around like these these horrible cable channel news shows, you know, and they're just so so angry and and just full of just this hate and contempt and you know, they want to control and it's all about power. So imagine ET sitting there looking at these people or battling it out and so so petty with 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 their rants and all this stuff right and it's just you know it, it's unbecoming of, of an intelligent creature that's why i laugh when i see it and superior intelligence you know to build the pyramids yeah you know but uh all this other stuff no anyway that's my that's my rant on stupidity right now right now <laughs> okay but Concerning the pyramids, perhaps there's more to these supposed massive burial chambers. And they even said that they didn't even find, you know, uh, they didn't even find, uh, like, mummies in, in a couple of them. So, but the big question is, where is the capstone? Is it even the $1 bill displays the missing gold-crusted point of the pyramid? So... Some have even begun to suggest that the pyramids were originally intended to be giant machines capable of producing and transmitting electromagnetic frequencies. The internal construction of the Great Pyramid resembles a power plant, and no mummy has ever been found inside the pyramid. Is this merely a coincidence, or is it possible that the pyramids weren't burial chambers, but rather energy transmitters? Ha-ha! If that's so, what did they do with the energy? You know, I mean, they didn't find a bunch of light bulbs laying around, right? What did they do? Or if it did have a certain type of capstone that was a certain type of metal and you can harness energy through that, you know, gold is a, a great, you know, uh, con, con, you know, conduit of energy, man. You know what I mean? So I think that that's an interesting question itself. And even uh, Nikola Tesla himself wondered this. And uh, and also some of his ongoing research for energy emitting pyramids is based on his own research. So, I mean, like people have taken that science, like Tesla, who is a genius and an innovator. They've taken that silence, that science and say, hey, there's something to this. Right. So. But the big, you know, if you think about the big picture. And. When I first started talking about this, you know, reversing electromagnetic waves and seeing where they gather, that's that's great, man, because pyramids have long mystified people. The shape of pyramids have mystified people, you know, and there's a lot of myth behind it, but there's a lot of uh, facts of, of facts of stuff we don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the missing capstone. So as far back as documented early history, uh, even the Great Pyramid has been missing its capstone. These finishing pieces are purported to have been coated in gold, but no one is able to figure out why they have been missing for so long. So you think people just went up there and stole them and cashed in the gold and that type of thing, man? A little recycling going on? So the ancient Egyptians surely would have completed their beautiful uh, monstrosities, uh, especially when it involved uh, capabilities of transmitting energy, right? So the Egyptian government planned to recap the Great Pyramid as part of a celebration to usher in the new millennium. But on December 16th, 1999, the uh, the plan was canceled. <laughs> you know, right there, wait for the last second. 1999. Oh, yeah, big plan, you know. The plan to cap that thing in, in 14 days, 15 days, <laughs> it's over. It's canceled. Sorry, man. So technical support. Uh, proved that lowering the new 30-foot cap onto the pyramid by a helicopter 
would not cause any damage, but the officials stated they were concerned about the potential for acts of terrorism. You know, terrorists got to go up there and try to blow up that cap. However, others wondered if the Egyptian government secretly feared reactivating the cosmic powers of the pyramid and either raising the vibrations of all life on Earth <laughs> or awakening some electromagnetic force. You know, it's one of those tough-ass decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to decorate the pyramid or we're going to destroy all life on Earth or maybe just freak everybody out. I don't know. Let's try it. Hey, Giuseppe, put that thing up there. <laughs> Let's try it. Yeah. Come on, man. Some electro, you put the thing up there and <laughs> the big freaking wave comes down and whacks everybody. Problem solved with humanity, man. There's that overpopulation problem solved just like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I test is like, yeah, do it, do it, man. See what happens. You know, a real scientist would do it, not even care. You know, open up a black hole or something. A real scientist. All those mummies come alive, come out and start eating people. Man, I've seen those movies, you know. So aside from that, let's talk about shifts in energy, right? Because I'm all about energy, man. So many accounts from those who have made uh, the climb, the arduous climb to the top of the Great Pyramid, because you got to be pretty damn healthy to get your ass up there to begin with, uh, involve, you know, and actually i got a friend who climbed the pyramid, and uh, that's a pretty interesting story and interesting photography about the whole bit. But all of this involved minuscule yet noticeable shifts in energy, prickling sensations in the body extremities, and even cases of electric shock while they're climbing this pyramid. And that's kind of interesting. Climbing to the top of the Great Pyramid is now illegal. But in the late 1800s, a British inventor named Sir William Simmons made it to the flat and settled, uh, he settled up the top and kind of camped out on top of the Great Pyramid. Yeah, he got all, like naked with some chick and whatever, and they like flipped out because of that, which is pretty funny because, you know, Muslims. Muslims in nudity, you know? Come on, get over yourselves. So upon reaching the summit, one of his guides remarked that when he raised his hands with his fingers spread, like a Spock type of thing, right, his ears picked up a shrill ringing noise. So Simmons then raised a forefinger, and felt a prickling sensation emanating from the tip and spreading through his hand. Not long after, the inventor went to quench his thirst with a celebratory sip of wine and received an electric shock from his lips from touching the bottle. How cool is that? Electric wine. You know what I mean? So Simmons thought that these curious occurrences were more than just coincidence. So he moistened a piece of newspaper to wrap around his bottle of wine to create a makeshift uh, laden jar. When he held his primitive capacitor over his head, sparks and electricity crackled and flew through the air. So did that happen by accident? Does it happen to you in your backyard? You know what I mean? Obviously, the construction of these pyramids and the properties inside of them have have that type of property you know i don't know man what what's the, even the word to use it's a motor right it's an engine you know it, it's you know an engine man it's it's, it's got a carburetor it's, it's got uh pistons and whatever and they blow up the gases and it drives the pistons and the crank and the whole bed and gives you that power to drive so what would they use it for maybe they just built a big ass stun gun just to shock the crap out of people you know <laughs> There's a lot of bad stuff going on back then, you know, and uh, I don't know. But there's also a lot of things that people don't know, which is interesting. So anyway, one of the guides on this trip became unnerved and attempted to seize the bottle. He's like flipping. He's like, give me that bottle. Simmons, either uh, to avoid his experiment being interrupted or in an attempt in self-defense, pointed the bottle at the agitated man who was thrown backwards onto the ground and knocked unconscious from the ensuing current, man. So current strong enough to knock somebody out and take them off their feet. That's pretty damn strong, right? 
Other curious people and scientists have mocked up small-scale models of the pyramid and discovered that food and razor blades stored within either uh, stored within either remained fresh or supremely sharp for periods of time past the usual amount. See, the razor blade thing is kind of weird because if you don't use a razor blade, it's going to be pretty sharp. I mean, you know, things get rusty and whatever, but food is pretty interesting. You know what I mean? I've seen, I've heard all kinds of claims in my in my life about if you build pyramid-shaped stuff and whatever, even crazy claims. I read in a Playboy magazine back in the day on how, like, if women had pyramid-shaped bras, their, their breasts would grow. They don't say that for dudes, but it'd be kind of hard to walk around with a pyramid in your pants. You know what I mean? You got a pyramid in your pants, you just happen to see me, man. So how is this all possible? How is it possible to have an electric bottle of wine back, back in those days and they're just on top of this pyramid, right? So from what scientists and other studies have shown, the even the natural structure of the pyramid lends itself to, you know, well to theories of energetic transmission. So based on uh, 1,000 to 144, uh, well, 14,400 ratio, the foundational dimensions of a pyramid appear to be harmonically integrated with the Earth. So there you go. So that means that around the time of the pyramid's construction, humans had a pretty good idea of the Earth's size, and they needed power for something, right? What they need power for? They built it long ago, uh, you know, and, and think about the right latitude, how, how it's facing, how it's shaped with the sky and the whole bit, how it lines up with these stars. It's pretty amazing, man, for a bunch of primitive humans, you know? I mean... I don't think these millennials can accomplish that now. You know what I'm saying? Unless you did it for them. So, and these guys had an error of maybe like a margin of only a couple of feet, you know, without all kinds of sophisticated equipment, GPS or any of that stuff. So now from what we can tell, the Great Pyramid was built at the exact center of the landmass of the earth and its four corners align with the cardinal compass points facing true north and making it the most accurately aligned structure ever built with only a 316 error margin. That's pretty amazing, you know, pretty amazing. Even if you don't think it's amazing, it's amazing. You know what I mean? So how these precise measurements and details can, uh, can be happy accidents is still widely disputed, you know, of course, because scientists like to bicker about everything. That's how they make their money. According to theory, you know, the construction and design of the pyramids creates an eternal 3D field of harmonic vibrations. Now, that's interesting to me. A three-dimensional field of harmonic vibrations. So now, do you think that if you, and this has been like my a supposition of mine for a long, long, long time. Because I, when I was a kid, I got heavily into magnetics, you know, magnets, any type of magnetic energy, right? just really fascinated by it and gravity on top of that. So do you think that you could create some kind of magnetic device to accelerate or decelerate time or even make some kind of doorway out of it to shift? Because when you hear about like all those reports back in the day and still today of people like hiking in the middle of nowhere where there's these big magnetic divides and then right in front of their faces, like people will go missing. They'll walk into like, uh, like just some kind of invisible thing. They're gone. Right. They don't think they're vaporized. It's like they walked into some kind of magnetic thing. And there's a lot of things that we just don't understand because we're, we're people, you know, and we're just kind of reaching, reaching for, for this, this information and, and to, uh, you know, conduct these investigations and that type of thing, right? But think about it. If you could have a 3D field of harmonic vibrations, I think that you could create that type of situation, man. It'd be very, very interesting, right? So this, uh, you know, so now they're claiming this provides uh, space to allow the energies to mingle within, right? The, the apex of the pyramid creates a spin field within the center, so what is it good for, right? And once the energy has entered, 
it careens off the five identical angles and is projected in a beam towards the center where the pillar of the fused vibrations occur. So this ain't no tomb, right? It's not a tomb. You don't do that with a tomb. You do that with, with uh, a device beyond our conception of our modern day conception. But our imaginations can go wild. You know, our imaginations can think of all these things. I kind of feel like if you can think of it, you can create it. If you have the idea, you can invent, you know, it's only a matter of trial and error and time. You know what I mean? And education, of course, too, right? So, fire in the middle. Did you know this? The name pyramid suggests hidden capabilities as it translates very literally to mean fire in the middle. This allegation has inspired many people to test the theories of the Great Pyramids and the genius inventor Tesla, of course, got into it. And, you know, if you read anything about Tesla, man, he, he was obsessed with the pyramid shape and using it for all kinds of stuff. So Tesla was certain that he could recreate the process and capture energy he believed to be lodged deep in the earth and transmit it all over the globe. His thing was to transmit this free power to everybody. All you need is like an antenna and you'd have free electricity and also create all these electric vehicles that would just kind of hook up to that energy in the sky and they would they would run, they would go, they would fly, they would do their business and take you around with no pollution and nothing like that. This dude was a, an innovator and an absolute genius, right? So... Tesla was fairly certain that the Earth itself was a large capacitor holding endless volts of electricity that he believed he could provide to anyone in the world for an endless amount of time. He set up shop in 1899. 1899! This is 2019. People don't know anything. 1899. Party like it's 1899. I had to say that. I'm sorry. So he set up shop in 1899 in Colorado Springs near Pikes Peak to carry out his research. This particular site was chosen carefully, being near enough to Colorado Springs to give access to plenty of electricity, and also because the air at this altitude was dry and held more magnetic force. So Tesla also revealed in the amount of thunderstorms that passed through, uh, and, and you know, he kind of was curious about the lightning and harnessing that energy, you know, like all mad scientists, and seeing if the lightning did indeed charge the Earth every time it struck. So he had questions, man. He was a scientist, and he went out and did his business. And he wasn't all about money. He wasn't all about getting that patent. He was all about science, you know. When he and Thomas Edison got, like, the whole the Nobel Peace Prize, Tesla declined. Because he said Edison wasn't a scientist in the true sense. He was a businessman. And we all know the story now, you know, how, how Tom Edison screwed everybody, and uh, including the guy who made the light bulb. So, all right, so we now know that uh, lightning also travels from the ground up. So it is possible Tesla wasn't too far off in his theories. The first prototype he built was the Wardenclyffe Tower, was basically a large octagon-shaped capacitor with a gold-domed capstone that discharged any buildup or excess energy. Its iron foundation reached 300 feet into the sky. 300 feet, man. That, that's, that's, that's up there. Because, because of the high magnetic... You know, when you're inventing like that, you're, you're in the zone. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm jealous, man. That, that's... Yeah, I'm gonna go out and build a 300 foot tower just to play with some electricity because I'm that's that's I'm that kind of guy. God damn it! <laughs> It'll be like going down to town getting some coffee. So how you doing, Nikola Tesla? What are you doing today? I'm going to shock the shit out of everybody today. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, this guy's supercharged. Got electricity through my veins, buddy. So because of the high magnetic density of the area, Tesla selected to research uh, the electric field's voltage 
you know, increased uh, 100 volts per per, per meter, and he wanted his tower as high as possible to achieve maximum voltage, man. I love that. This massive structure was intended to fling raw energy skyward that would then be captured by homes around the globe, simply outfitted with uh, a buried ground connection. See, he's not a pussy like those Egyptians, man. Afraid to put that capstone up there, you know? Here's Tesla. Oh, I was going to, like, put this thing up there and do it, man. Just do it. (laughs) So, uh, okay. So he's gonna out. He was gonna outfit buried ground connections and a small antenna, like I said before, affixed to their roofs. Uh, ships at sea could also theoretically tap into this widespread energy source with similar antennas. And uh, in addition to electricity, there was a possibility that the energy could also carry and transmit radio frequency information, much like high-speed internet today. So here's this dude: high-speed internet, electricity. Everything for free back in 1899. I know you're looking at your cable bill for <laughs> your high speed internet and saying this is bull crap because these companies are, are just making money off your own misery. And you're, you don't have any satisfaction from social media. Really? Really? So Tesla's tower was run through many encouraging experiments. Uh, people are into it. I would have been right there with my coffee, chilling out. But unfortunately, the construction of his laboratory, the tower itself, and the cost of the experiments had largely dented even his own personal savings. You see, that's the problem, too. You hit the wall with money. So the original investment fund was already depleted on uh, the chronic lack of funding. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. The stock market crashed in 1901. That happened. Uh, On top of all of this, Tesla lost his biggest backer, J.P. Morgan. Abruptly, Tesla was forced to give up the project. Failure, failure, failure. And he returned to the East Coast with uh, nothing nothing to shock people with, right? But still, what a mind. And if, if really he had carried on and had funding, you would think that somebody would have come forward, you know, with real funding. Or maybe they were afraid to. I don't know. But this is visionary. You know, this is something you invest in. It's a vision, man, right? So we can only wonder if he had been able to continue his experiment. Perhaps Tesla would have dramatically changed the course of the world, right? Theories based on the structure of ancient pyramids. So again, you have someone interested in these pyramids because those pyramids are beyond some kind of tomb where people were just meant to, to encase them. And I've seen like the ancient aliens, they've gone to these other tombs and whatever, and there weren't tombs at all. One was like designed to, to bury bulls, and they had these unbelievably large stone-carved, you know, uh, coffins, basically, that they called it, but they were all inscribed and whatever. I don't know, man. Either people had a lot of damn time on their hands and big whips, or... Uh, or there were people motivated to do it, and they had some kind of technology to use. And you know what? When it comes to stone, I learned a lot about stone because uh, I was interested in that for a minute, right? And just carving and whatever. And also, you know, the stone where you could take a blowtorch and heat it up and, and just take like a hammer or, you know, whatever and chip it away and make it nice and smooth. So there, the technology they had back in these days when they made these things, they didn't even have that. You know, so for the pyramids to be that powerful, I think that there's a a lot more questions now that people are going to have because, you know, we just need to find out answers and start reconnecting with our human selves, you know, and I don't know. The world needs it. I think the world needs it. So were the energy pyramids created, uh, were the energy pyramids created to conduct energy to alter frequencies over large areas of land? There still remains a lot of unanswered questions, like I just said, regarding the many theories as to how they would achieve this process. More like why, you know? But even the shape of the pyramids itself leads some to believe that the pyramids were power plants and uh, they were powering whatever they needed to power. So, all right. This was a recent find. You can find it on YouTube, all the RAM, and... uh, in a bizarre turn of events, 
a near-perfect pyramid had been found on the surface of Mars by NASA's Curiosity rover, right? And you can go on the YouTube channel. Uh, there's this group called Paranormal Crucible, and they've got their thing. You could check that out. But while this triangular structure is thought to be the size of a car, more like a bus, uh, conspiracy theorists claim it could just be the tip of a much larger construction buried beneath the surface. Now, not long ago, months back, I talked about a declassified CIA report, and I like to reference it, right? And the report said, this is Star Project Stargate, you know, where they hired medium psychics to come in and they were mapping things out. Mapping out the moon, mapping out Mars, things like that. So in this particular instance, this agent was talking with uh, this this super super medium psychic about Mars, and he's giving them envelopes with coordinates in it. And then the guy would open up and read the coordinates and say, "All right, this is where it is on Mars." Pretty amazing, unless you're unless you're that much of of a of a genius to really be able to pick out any any points on Mars by, by just sheer numbers and know exactly what's there. So he gives him this one and he said, well, he's like, what do you see? And he said, I see three pyramids and, and the face. So, you know, about the face of Sidonia and that whole thing. And, uh, they think that they found a Egyptian Sphinx face on Mars. And they know, then all the people who are the naysayers, they're going to be like, well, it's just rocks and, wind and dust and and smeg that's kind of blown all over it you know but clearly next to it you can see these three pyramids and they look almost identical that as the shapes i mean they're covered in a lot of dirt and dust and crap but you can see them and they're they look like the ones uh the same type of shape size and uh and also how they're laid out from each other the distance as you know the ones in egypt man you know in giza anyway so that's just interesting to see. There's something you can tune in and, and check that out, the, those pictures, right? But, uh, and then, you know, of course, it stirs the pot. And people are like, oh, my God, you know, there's something there. I mean, but that same conversation with Project Stargate, you know, uh, it was interesting. The fascinating part to me was, was yeah, picking those things out and whatever, was when the agent asked the medium to go back a million years and say, what did you see? And they saw the civilization, people walking around, described where they looked and how they were tall. And even when the, the medium was trying to use his own words to say something, the agent would say, don't use your own words, just interpret what you see and what you feel, because this guy's seeing these things. And then, you know, these large buildings and whatever, and they said there was some kind of geological disaster and they had to leave. So, if you start putting all this evidence together, it's just really, really interesting. And I think that uh, pyramids are not just something we find locally here on the earth. So, I don't know. In 1976, images sent back to Earth from the Viking One and Mars, uh, the Mars-Sidonia region, showed rock formations that resemble a human face, the pyramid, like I said before, and, and a city. They think that there's a city right there, right? These led to rampant speculation over the possibility of life on the red planet. So are, is it that we're going back? Is that what it is? Is it time to go back? You know, is it time to, is that going back, going forward, learning more about what we are? And how does that change things for people? You know, how would that change things for you? If, if Imagine if you had information tomorrow that, you know, people here on the earth was kind of just uh, basically a, a people coming from somewhere else that needed to survive. And when you think about the rhesus monkeys and, you know, the that whole thing with negative blood and I don't know, man, the rhesus negative, I'm telling you, you put these things together and you stand far back and you look at it and you can see easily how this was a constructed situation, right? A prepared earth, a constructed situation. So there's a lot of unanswered questions and maybe we don't need all the answers right now. Maybe we have to take time because with these answers, I think come an unbelievable amount of responsibility. You know, I think in the end, maybe people will know more about themselves and each other and maybe treat people more decently. I don't know. But then you get the religious wackos, man. And I say that because, you know, I'm not going to offend anybody 
who's who's like really religious. And if you are, you probably don't listen to this shit, my show anyway. But you know, it, it's more like it's more like a, a demagoguery to me, you know. And I think that all the stories in the Bible, you can definitely you can definitely understand that they're all dealing with something that and I don't like the term supernatural because there's nothing above nature. Nothing. You it's just it's natural, right? No supernatural. But people want to say it's supernatural and kind of put the emphasis on supernatural because it's something that is beyond the, the realm of normal. But there is no normal, you know, in the universe and for us, there is no normal. But there certainly is evidence. And as we people, humans, develop computers and computers think faster, smarter, better. You know, and we can analyze things better. We get more understanding about ourselves. So kind of like we're using that to understand ourselves, not just for anti-social media so people can bash each other over politics, but more about understanding where we really come from and where we're really going and, you know, evolvement in general. I was watching this thing the other day on this island, you know, in India, right, where there's a tribe that lives there and no one's allowed to go there. Because the tribe is like really, really tribey. You know what I mean? Like, like they got no electronics. They got no modern day life. They know nothing about it. You know, and like some some dude went there just recently to try to talk religion to them. And they're like, they freaking cut his head off and ate him basically. So, you know, when I see people like that in loincloths with spears running around, I know that humans have a long way to go to develop. You know, and just because we use toilet paper and we have cell phones doesn't mean that we're developed. It doesn't mean that we're on even on a path to development. It's kind of like there are I, I consider cell phones largely, you know, and not just cell, you know, not the technology, more more of the intended use by corporations to get people addicted to things, you know, these apps and programs and whatever. So you spend all your money and you're doing your thing, right? Like I used to play Farmville back in the day and when it was cool, you know, and then, you know, you do your little farm, you grow your strawberries. You know, it's kind of stupid growing stuff. You can't eat it. Enough. But it was something to distract time, you know, for 20, 30 minutes a day or something that you do. And then they started like the Farmville bucks where they want you to use real money so you can buy things in Farmville. I'm like, That's stupid. Well, I'm going to do that for, you know what I mean? So I can have a little display of some something on the side so you know when people like get you addicted to things like cell phones and people certainly are if you look at the younger generations they're addicted man that is is uh, something that blocks your path you know what i mean so like in Taoism, you want to be able to see your problems coming and avoid them and and kind of be smart enough to avoid them you know and think about how you're going to do that because some people just kind of just sit there and wait and wait and wait. Their problems smack them in the face and they don't know what to do and they fall apart. And then what? They go on social media and they talk about it, man, which is funny as hell because people air their all their dirty laundry like on social media, like on Facebook and all that. You know, they say things that they would never even normally say to another living human being to their face. But then they are talking about like their bodily functions or whatever. If they have a scar or something, they got to display it proudly or <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to see that stuff. It's bad enough. I got to see people's psoriasis in commercials, man. I'm trying to eat a piece of pizza, slice of pizza, man. And you're showing me your, your psoriasis, Cindy Lauper. I don't want to see that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about psoriasis and, and the designer drug they're trying to hawk on the commercial that only a handful of people really have the issue. So really that commercial is not going to penetrate who they're looking for. Instead, I got to deal with it trying to eat my pizza. And then all of a sudden, you see people like disgusting skin. All right, I feel bad for you. You know, I don't have it. And that's good. I got other stuff going on. But, you know, I just want to eat my pizza and watch TV, man. Why do I have to see your, your bodily functions? Oh, no, no, no. Then they got the uh, the diaper commercials, man, of these women, like, putting on these diapers. That is just so horrible. And then here's this dude sitting there at dinner with the woman and she's like laughing at dinner with her champagne. Ha 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 ha. And the guy's sitting there laughing. Ha 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 ha. And I'm sitting there thinking, does that guy know she's wearing diapers? You know, because that kind of killed the mood. Nothing kills the mood faster than diapers, a screaming baby or something like that. You know, anyway, that's my rant. 
I'm going to go. This is Discovery Paranormal. I will see you guys next week on this here show. United Public Radio Network, UPR on TalkRadio.com, 107.5, Pastor John, saying goodnight to y'all. Bye. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib! It's just what I wanted! Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm, actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay, well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm, actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay, well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.